Hello and welcome to another episode of the Green and Gold Rugby Podcast. We're up to episode 171, can you believe it? And yes, I'm Rugby Reg and I'm back after a few weeks break. Great to be back. But thanks to Hugh Cavill who did such an awesome job in the host chair in my absence. Well, we here at Green and Gold Rugby are getting pretty damn excited about it being another Rugby World Cup year. And we're getting stuck into some cup-specific content. Hugh started a week or so ago with his look back at that fantastic 2003 semi-final victory over the All Blacks. And there's more of those types of articles planned with some of our key Rugby World Cup moments. As for the podcast, we're getting into it as well. We're starting to focus our own on the Rugby World Cup. And the plan is for each week, we are going to get a former Wallaby, a World Cup winning Wallaby, in fact, for each position on the rugby team. We're going to speak to them about their own World Cup experiences and then look ahead at this year's tournament, chat about our Wallabies' chances and look specifically at that player's respective position. So what better way to kickstart this World Champs series than by the man who kicked us to glory back in 1999. He's an out-and-out Wallaby legend, the second highest point scorer ever for the Wallabies. He was our fullback in the 99 winning team. He is a World Champion Wallaby. He is Matthew Burke. Matt, thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you, Reg. It, it, it's been a long time since someone's actually described me as a World Cup champion, but I'll take it any day, absolutely. <laughs> exactly right. Once a World Cup champion, always a World Cup champion, I'm sure, Matt. <laughs> Oh, my word. Now, the premise behind this, Matt, we want to look back and we want to talk to these legends of the game that have obviously had great success at the Rugby World Cup. But let's go take a step back and remind everyone that you actually uh, played for the Wallabies at the 95 World Cup as well over in South Africa, which was must have been a fascinating tournament to be a part of. It was the first one uh, South Africa hosted, obviously, so quickly after returning from apartheid. The Wallabies were the reigning champions. It was a challenge to go back-to-back. You were only a, a young pup on the board. You would have been, you know, very early, what, early 20s? Yeah. Um, tell, us yeah. About, tell us about that experience. Well, I think that to, to start with, uh, you know, we were supposed to receive our uh, invitation, if you call that, into the team at uh, 6 a.m. by Courier uh, on a certain day. This is before the World Cup uh, obviously started. Uh, 6 o'clock came and went, uh, 6.30 came and went, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, and I remember mate Scott Bowen, uh, who, who was uh, a, a guy I played with the Australian schoolboys with, and said, mate, yep. how'd you go? Did you get the, did you get the letter? And he said, yeah, you, I, I did. I said, you? I said, mate, no courier for me. And uh, so he said, hold on, let me ring Glenn Eller, who was the uh, Southern District's coach, and, he, uh, and so I got the news from Scott Bowen to say that I was uh, included in the squad for South Africa. So he ran back and said, mate, you're in. Pack your bags. We're uh, we're ready to go. So that was my um, my first introduction to uh, the World Cup squad. Then we did travel to South Africa. I sat next to um, across the aisle from a bloke called Josh Cronfield, who, um, who oh, turned right. out to be one of the uh, geniuses in New Zealand rugby. And, Absolutely. And uh, it was an amazing tournament. Um, and obviously for unearthing uh, Jonah Lomu uh, on the world, um, you know we were in amongst. South Africa, which was a, a, just a rugby mad nation, uh, having uh, you know been, as you said, been away from a, uh, from from uh, or with apartheid for so many years. So it was uh, an embracing of the the rainbow nation. Um, we got uh, very much ambushed in that first game. Uh, the South African people were so good to us 
saying, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see you in the final type thing and, and, and you'll beat us in the pool match. And, and they came out and pulled a Swifty on us and they, they played incredibly well and, and, and well-deserved winners, you know, in the end. So um, it, was a real, it was a reality check at the same time. You know, we got punted at uh, quarter-final time and, and yeah. Yeah, that was a, uh, a realisation that um, you, you have to play well the whole time to, to keep going. So... Yeah, roll on 99, which was a, uh, a better outcome. For yeah, well, let's let's talk about 99. But just looking at those team lists from 95, it's it's a really interesting team. It's almost like the, the perfect combination of that 91 winning team and that 99 winning team there where you've got the likes of yourself, uh, uh, Georgie Gregan, um, and obviously Eels there, and Dave Wilson, but then also that, yeah. that crew from 91 where the, the whole front row and Rod McCall and Willie O and, and Michael Liner and Campo. So uh, an interesting amalgam, and it's always that question of how old, how long do you hold someone on for, I guess, That's before you bring right. in that youth. Yeah. And, but there's a nice balance. So let's move on from 95, uh, an amazing tournament, but we want to focus on the winning tournament. And, and 1999 didn't start as planned for you, I guess, Berkey. It goes back to... Uh, that very memorable try you scored for the Wallabies versus yeah. the All Blacks in 98, um, yeah. where you did your shoulder. August 29, 1998, right. the Sydney Football <laughs> Stadium. I remember it uh, to this day. It was um, it, it was a, uh, a bittersweet moment uh, for me, having uh, scored the try, dislocated my shoulder, and uh, knowing, uh, having had a reconstruct on my other shoulder, that I'd be out for at least you know six to seven months. Uh, this one was uh, damaged, you know, very badly, uh, and it turned out to be about a nine-monther. Uh, I missed yeah. all Super Rugby of the following season. I came back to in the first game of the uh, the Wallaby series, uh, the, the domestic test matches. But it was a case of um, uh, doing the very, very basics uh, very well again. So, you know, I had to relearn to, to pass. Um, basically, the, the, the shoulder got sewn in so tight that I... If the, uh, the the doctors out there they know the external rotation, I have I have about five degrees external rotation, so my arm just doesn't move. Mm. And so I then was having to uh, to relearn to pass, I was to relearn to catch a high ball because my elbows you know couldn't close together type thing. So um, it was a process and a, and a painful process to uh, to get back into the team and on, on that plane to uh, to Europe. But knowing that what was at stake and and who was in the team. Um, you know, coming off a uh, the blackout year as well, yeah, absolutely. And 33, not many in in, in Auckland. Uh, we had to redeem ourselves in Sydney in the wet, and we did that uh, before we went away. So we were full of confidence going across, no doubt about that. Now that was an interesting time, wasn't it? I mean, massive loss for you. It was such a a long period of time, and I'll be interested to hear from you about how you felt coming back. Whether you had the confidence, how long that took to come back, but you were also out without without John Eels. I think Owen Finnegan was agent. Stephen Larkham took a while yep. to come back. So some really key players for you uh, missed a lot of football. In the end, I, I heard a lot of people suggest that might have been a, almost a blessing in, in in disguise. They came back refreshed. How do you read that sort of thing? Uh, it's always it's always a good cliche, isn't it? Uh, you have yeah. to be refreshed, mate. You are not refreshed when you come back. You are you you know you're just as busted because you have got this injury. You know, like it. Um, you know, the 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 days um, hours spent on the physio table getting my arm sort of you know stretched and manipulated the rest of it. Um, yeah, that, and that's the, that's the pain you don't see. That's the pain you don't tell anyone. Um, but it makes it all that uh, all that better when you you know you, when you have success. Yeah, Eels was out. Uh, David Wilson, captain through that mm. uh, domestic season, did a great job. So, uh, and and you're right. You've just got players that uh, were out for a while. So we had to, I suppose, in a way, 
I suppose, extend the depth of the team, if that's the case. And, mm. and we're able to do that. I mean, you're looking at that team as well. It's a, it's a pretty good... You talk about rosters of that 95. It was a pretty good roster in 99. We, mm. you know, we had captains of... Provincial captains in amongst the team there. You, you, know, you had other captains uh, who have uh, who've led their country playing. And obviously all under the uh, the banner of, uh, of Eels who held that captain's armband. So there was, there was a good crew uh, of, of people who could lead around the park. And I think that was probably one of the, one of the great uh, attributes you know, of that team as well. But you're certainly going into the World Cup um, 10 days in camp before we even sort of uh, you know, thought about uh, you know, uh, playing a game in anger against Romania, I think the first game was. Yep. And, and look, it was tense. It was you know, battles for positions. Um, training was incredibly intense. Blokes are getting cut in half. Um, you know, it was Tuesday Warriors. You know, just about every every day, uh, meaning it was it was on uh, like a game sort of scenario. So, but it it, it all it all led to uh, it all led to a team being very settled in that first game and and uh, and then gaining momentum over those pool matches. Yeah, it was an interesting schedule for you guys. Like you say, you worked your way in with the Romania game, which was, um, I'm not sure it was rugby, but it was it was a, a, probably an easier game uh, than you're traditionally used to. Up against Ireland next, which was famous for that fantastic Todd Ikefu, um yep. uh, uh, stink. Um, yep. Which which was Ireland always tough at home. It wasn't as close as um, you know that '91 game. USA next, and then worked into Wales at Cardiff. So real tough draw, and some similarities to this year's uh, World Cup, where you had you know two home nations playing them at their home games. Uh, a yeah. big obstacle to overcome uh, uh, for the Wallabies. Yeah, I mean, and when you look at that Ireland game, uh, they were, I mean, they were up for it as well. I mean, it, and again, it comes down to winning your pool. Winning your pool, you give yourself a better chance at um, at advancing. You know, through the tournament, uh, and and that island game at Lansdowne was very tough. Keith Wood, I remember, was uh, you know exceptional and you know, drew on the crowd support so well. Todai Kefu, I think it was Brennan, I think it was. Yeah, Trevor um, Brennan, yep. Trevor Brennan, that's right. Uh, teed off on uh, on his head for a little while, um, and then I mean it it just it just sent a message also that you know we we you know don't mess with this type of thing as well. That mm. Kef, uh, you know, stood up to these blokes, these intimidators, and and um, and did well. Ben Tune scored a try down the right hand side off a off a set play, which was uh, magnificent. Um, and then you're right, we roll on to America, uh, a midweek game, and uh, and actually, <laughs> I must admit, we're pretty pissed off that island game. Um, and uh, we uh, being in Dublin, and I remember walking home with Kernsey, uh, who had just injured his foot, yeah. so he was out of the tournament, yeah. and I was walking with uh, he and. David Giffen and uh, back to the hotel quite early in the morning. We had a team meeting and uh, we knew we had to play America on the Wednesday, I think it was. And I was just sitting there saying, please do not read out my name. Please do not read out my name. <laughs> and uh, and there I was. So I got called on the wing yep. and we had to go train that day. And and, uh, and it was a little bit um, uh, a, a wake up, a little bit of a wake up call, you could say. But we played that game in uh, Limerick, I think it was. Yes, it and, was, yeah. And uh, that was the only try that yeah. <laughs> uh, went against us in that tournament. And Jason Little captain that day, and uh, he always tries to pin it on me, on my <laughs> wing. But I can tell you now, on the record, it was Scott Staniforth, ah, not me. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> right. there you go. We've got it, mate. That's good to hear. Um, and then obviously rolled on to the quarterfinals uh, at Cardiff, um, yeah. which uh, I, I remember being an amazing atmosphere, as those home games at Wales, I'm sure, always are. Um, yes, but a, a very strong win, which which really set us up for the big match 
the game against South Africa at Twickenham. South Africa had, uh, fresh off, I think, given England a bit of a pummeling and, and scored a, a bucket yeah. load of field goals. And here they were again. Yanni right. De Beer was their man. He... Um, to expect it to do it again. Now, that game is famous for, obviously, Bernie Larkham's field goal, but what's obviously sometimes neglected is the fact that you kicked eight penalty goals, and, I look, I can't recall the detail. You probably can, but um, I, bet, I, bet you, I, bet, I bet you didn't miss many. <laughs> uh, if I take you back to that Welsh... Uh, yeah, yeah, please. ...to start with, they, they, they did have the, um, uh, the roof open that day yep. uh, just to... You know, it was going to be wet in Wales, and and they wanted to bring it to a, uh, a more of an even contest. I remember Timmy Horan saying, you know, you you have a Ferrari, you know, you don't leave it in the garage, like you, you, you drive it. So why, if you have this roof, why not, you know, put it shut? And we have this great game of football. Uh, we scored three tries. That Jay Joe Roth down the left hand side. I think uh, I think uh, uh, Greg scored one, and Tuny got one as yep. well, uh, and we're able to get away in 24 to not many. I think it was 12, maybe thereabouts. Um, but you're right. I mean, that was. I think that was the. You talk about the semi-final and the final. I think that was the big game because there's a yeah, realisation right, as it was four years ago. You don't win this game, you go home. So, yeah. so you've got to get through this game. So, you know, bonus points, all that kind of stuff, you know, didn't account for anything. It was a case of winning the game and, and trying to win well. So uh, you're right. We, we, we moved on to uh, South Africa and we uh, we knew what we were coming up against. It was Yanni De Beer. He kicked five goals against, uh, five field goals, I should say, against... Mm. Uh, England the week earlier, and we knew that was going to be one of their attacking weapons. But we played a game which, as you said, is regarded as one of the best games that went into extra time, and there wasn't a try scored in the game, yeah. and, and that's quite unique. And, but you look back on it and think that was one of the best games I played in. It was, it was incredibly tense from the from the off. Um, we played against a you know very physical uh, New Zealand, uh, pardon me, uh, South African team. Um, and, and it, went, it was tit for tat, basically. It was, you know, it went three points, three points, six three, six all, nine six, uh, nine all, twelves, fifteens, and, and finished at eighteen at half time with Owen Finnegan giving away a penalty on full time. Yeah, remember uh, it well. I, I, I'll just reiterate that again. Owen <laughs> Finnegan giving away the penalty. Excellent. And uh, and De Beer, I mean, that, that was an incredible moment. You talk about you know, moments in your career that you do remember, and. Um, and albeit they lost uh, in the end in extra time, but that kept them in the game and, and potentially could have, you know, uh, got them going through to the final. Yeah. They they kicked that goal. It was a windy, wet day at Twickenham. It was tough to kick. Uh, we came in at half time. Um, we came, pardon me, we came in at full time. And uh, and and I remember talking to Grazy. We had to get in position to, you know, uh, to kick a goal. But uh, Steve, uh, I took, pardon me, Tim Lane spoke to. Uh, Bernie and said, "Mate, if you get the opportunity, you know you, you've, you've got to you've got to nail it." So, um, Grazy uh, took it up off the lineout, off the top four ball. Uh, great pass from uh, from Griggs. Grazy trundled it up, and Bernie Larkham uh, takes the ball with Richard Harry running behind him. <laughs> so, if you if you watch the division, you'll see Richard Harry literally on his shoulder. I'm outside him, and Richard Harry, who is a tight head prop. He's yelling to Bernie, chip and chase, mate, chip and chase. <laughs> and so at the same time, Bernie launches this thing. And from, 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 from my vivid memory, it was a perfect hit. It wasn't a wobbly old hit. Yep. It was perfect. And it, uh, it bent back a little bit and went straight through. It was a 55-metre field goal. Amazing And cleared it by, by uh, so much. My, my recollection after that, that took it to 24-21. I hit a field goal. I, pardon me, I hit a penalty goal at the end. Uh, and... Literally, the last play was uh, South Africa hoisting a high ball 
uh, into the wind. I remember standing at fullback and sort of having to run left and then back and then turn my back on the ball and I called Mark. And 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 the sort of moment you think back, I mean, if I if I spilt it and they they scored a try, they kick a goal, they win twenty eight twenty seven. So you think, great, caught the mark, and I picked my mark uh, to kick the ball out about sort of forty out, and the referee said uh, kick the ball out and the game's over. So I literally turned sideways <laughs> and kicked it perpendicular, oh, and the game was over. So that that was the realization we're going to be in a World Cup final. So we have a ch- we have a chance of winning a World Cup. So it was an incredible game, and, and you you talk about Bernie's field goal. Um, ten years later, we had our uh, you know reunion, and uh, for the first time on stage, he actually said, "You know, I've got to thank Berkey for all the goals that he kicked. Uh, I kicked one field <laughs> oh, goal." Nice. And I, and I turned, yeah, I turned around him and said, "Are you going to give me any of the memorabilia money that you made as well?" So uh, no, not at all. But Bernie was a a freak moment, that's for sure. And I bet Richard Harry's still pretty dirty too. He, he's denied the opportunity <laughs> yeah, to win the game. That's right. He didn't chip and chase for me. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, all, all good fun. Now, how do you feel after a game like that? There's got to be amazing relief and jubilation, but with the full knowledge that in a week's time, and I, if I recall correctly, was that before the New Zealand-France game? So you, you, you still didn't Correct. know who you were playing? So with the still, right. you know, you still got the, uh, you know, the, the World Cup final in your mind for a week's time. Do you allow yourself that chance to really enjoy the moment? Well, we sat, um, we played 100 minutes that day and we were not only physically spent, but I think we were mentally spent as well. Yeah. Um, we got back on the bus and after, and you're right, after, after winning uh, that moment, the occasion, the sense of going into a final, the bus was deathly quiet. Right. Um, yeah, that was the uh, that was probably the one of the biggest things that I recall after the game. We, we were we were flat out. We were we were spent. Um, we got back to and we're staying at a place called Slough, which is about an hour away uh, from where we were at, at Twickenham. There. Yep. And um, we packed our bags and uh, got in the bus and drove down to Cardiff the following day to get there to watch the final uh, to watch the other. Uh, semi-final between New Zealand and uh, and France, yep. and as it turned out, it was um, all going to plan, all going to script. Uh, the biggest person who uh, had the or, or the most work to do after the French, you know, all of a sudden turned around was our video analyst. Yes. So he had, to, he had to chuck out all the video and all the tape and everything that he's accumulated over New Zealand over the past, you know, however many years. <laughs> And, uh, and suddenly do some stuff about the French. So I think, I mean, not only you know, did the French play superbly that day and they turned it around, they turned the full momentum around, but I think by them winning made us focus even more on yeah, playing right. the final. If we're playing New Zealand, it would have been just another game. Yep. Pardon me, not just another game, yep. but it would have been another game against New Zealand, yep. if, that's, if, the, uh, if you understand what I'm trying to sure. get up there, um, which we could have maybe um, you know, breezed over, so to speak. But... But certainly playing against France gave us that bit of more focus to uh, to say, hey, we're on a job here. They can produce something. Let's get out there and, and, uh, and make sure it happens. And what do you feel? Do you, do you think that that was the opposite result for France, that they paid their final a week early? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, that's, nope. that's classically the French, isn't it? I mean, that's, yeah. you know, that, that's always the, uh, that was always the call. That was our line, you know. Uh, can they put two weeks um, in a row together like that? And then probably the answer is no. So we played the mind games you know, at the same time. Um, you know, New Zealand then always uh, always seem to have this um, uh, phobia about playing against the French, mm. and uh, and um, even to you know 2011 World Cup nearly succumbed yeah. to that thing as well. Succumbed to the, the, the same feat as well. But um, you know, our our whole focus was again then 
not so much changed on the French, but it became on us, you know, it became on us and what we needed to do. So um, the uh, the team meeting, if I remember correctly, on Monday morning after that uh, after that game was uh, a few people spoke, coach spoke, tra- uh, coach coach spoke, captain spoke, and the trainer spoke, a fellow called Steve Nance. Yep. And uh, and he said, and he got up there and he said, uh, boys, uh, this week I've got planned a 21-minute fitness component. <laughs> and the whole place just stopped and went, uh, mate, no, we've just played 100 minutes. We're not doing fitness before a final. If anything, we're just going to go in, you know, fresh. And he was the angriest man in the world because <laughs> he didn't get his way. So we um, we trained well that week, uh, you know, leading into a, um, uh, you know, what was a a pivotal moment in our careers and obviously in, in for Australian rugby as well. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. That's great. So you go into that game and it's, you know, one of the big takeaways and it's just come out recently again, the talk about how, uh, you could say, I guess, traditional the French play was in terms of some of those uh, dirty dirty uh, acts yep. in the ruck small. Were you involved in the back or were you safe at the back of the field there? Nah, mate, I was fullback, fullback. Love mate. it, never, love it. Never, never heard anything and never got uh, never got touched. So, Told the boys uh, to stop their know, complaining. But, yeah, exactly right. Uh, it, it was um, it was certainly one of those ones that, uh, uh, and I, uh, as I believe was spoken about before the game, um, yep. the, the, and, and that's privy to, to captain and coach. You know, the, the, the workers don't need to know that. Sure. Um, you know, it, but it was a case of, uh, if, it, if it was on, and as Ilzi mentioned to it and picked it up over the, um, the speaker, it was, uh, was going to be you know, certainly that case. Um, it was, uh, I mean, it was a great occasion. It was a great sense of occasion. I mean, it, apart from playing in a final, you miss out on all the sense of theatre beforehand, you know, like that's yeah. the, 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 the grandeur of, of everything going beforehand. My memory, my, my, my memory is, my two things about that game are, yes, we played well and we won, which was great, but my memory about that game is leaving... Uh, the Cardiff Bay Hotel, and uh, getting blocked in by all the cars that have just parked everywhere um, around the around the street. So people just found a parking spot anywhere, and our bus couldn't turn the corner. So we had to, <laughs> the boys got out and bounced cars oh. out of the way, <laughs> really? so we could actually, you know, work our way through. Yeah, so that was the. Uh, that was what the dirt, the, dirt, the double dirty did, the, the, the reserve reserves, went out well, there and, and cleared a path for our way. So Steve the, Nance, um, the Steve. second one was, um, uh, you know, at the end of the game, I was able to... Oh, you got me, mate. No, yeah, you're right. Go ahead. There we go. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the second one was uh, the ball sits proudly at home. Uh, the last ball that was in play sits really? proudly at home as I uh, it got kicked into touch. I picked it up for a quick line out, and uh, the, the ref blew his whistle. So I thought, "Thank you very much." I think I um, brilliant. Might have to take this one. So oh, yeah, happy days. That's fantastic. Look, that was a, a fantastic moment, but it is the last time Australia have held up the Rugby World Cup. Let's put yep. it to you right now: Can we win it this year? Do you know what? I think we can. I, I, I had a conversation with uh, the new uh, Aussie coaches, and yep. they were they were. Uh, they were pleased with the way the tour went last year. Obviously, not from a from a win loss ratio, but sure. but what they were able to achieve uh, in their mind more than anything else, I think. So okay. um, he reckons uh, th- these boys, you know, were, were were pleased with you know their their changing of of mindset. So I mean, you, you're not just a good, you're not just a bad team. I mean, that's the that's the the stretch. If you play for your country, you, you obviously go pretty well. There's some pretty talented players there. 
So um, when it comes down to it, six in the world uh, is where we're ranked at the moment, which is mm. not fantastic. And um, and maybe the pressure is on England and Wales, who uh, who play, uh, as you said last time, respective games at home against us. So that's a uh, that's a massive advantage for them. So just imagine the pressure on mm. them going into those games. Uh, and I know we're you know, we're expected to do well, and 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 as a former Wallaby. Uh, we, um, yeah, we we want that even more so. But uh, it's a case of, um, of 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 playing well, playing the situation. All you got to do is just beat the other team literally by one point, and, yeah. and then you, you you keep advancing. So, full of death to start with, which is going to be tough. But certainly, I think our boys have got a good mindset. And and look, why not? I reckon they I reckon they could. I reckon they could uh, you know make a, a real. F- yeah, you got to think if they survive the pool of death, they could achieve you know, the anything. Yeah. Look, all right, Matt. I want to oh, correct. Oh, absolutely. I want to nail two uh, specifics. Part of the premise of what we're doing here is we would have got your area of expertise and, and look at that fullback position. Now, yep. obviously, it's it's Izzy Falau has been the man there for a couple of years now. Is it a lay down Mazzea that he's the man, you think, to wear the 15 jersey? He's being toyed with in number 13 for the Waratahs every now and again. Uh, is he our fullback for the World Cup? Uh, I think, um, I mean, if, if, you, if you play the safe bet, you'd say yes. Uh, if you were to play the uh, throw the curveball in there, you could chuck him at 13. But then, you know, where do you put someone like Tavita Kirandrani, mm. who who played you know, ex- exceptionally well you know, last season? I think last season found himself at that 13 roll, big, strong, fast, and was busting tackles. Um, there is that advantage of playing in the front line. You get the hands more on the ball as long as you can uh, as long as you get the ball to start with yep. um, whereas at fullback they're certainly playing a, a different style where they are running from everywhere they're, they're, they're using Flower as the counter attack now you, you negate a uh, 13 in counter attack because you obviously can't get back there so mm. they've got to be um, they've got to be smart in how they how they use Flower no doubt about it they've got to be smart in where they when they put him um, and, and look you, can, you could put him um, in attack at 13 and defence at 15 but yeah, then right. you sort of then you then you could get Joe Blow to play thirteen and, and fifteen at any other time if you know yeah. what I mean. So um, you, you sort of you, you strengthen in one spot to weaken another if that's the word, and you may weaken another. So uh, look, I, th- I think uh, every now and then if he pops up at thirteen like he has been doing at the Waratahs uh, occasionally, I mean you can see how devastating he is with that ball in hand. He's, he's he's beating at least two three players every time and keeping the ball alive. So uh, I think World Cup time it'll be uh, it'll be fifteen on on his back though. And is there an area of the game you think he needs to work on, or you're pretty happy all around with how he's performing? By um, by irony's sake, spending two years in AFL, he's still yep. he's still not up to speed with his kicking. Um, and I know you think uh, you might say, "Oh, hang on, he, you know, he spent that uh, couple of years over there." If it's a set piece kick, yeah, great. Yep. But he, he, he there's a there's a I think there's a little bit of room for improvement in getting out the, the getting out of jail kick if, if that's the case you know so um the getting out of the jail just sort of you know putting the forwards at ease to say to them hey boys the ball's going over your head and i'll uh and you'll smile when that uh you know goes 60 meters downfield type thing so but you know in saying that there's not a great deal of kicking at the moment the mm. the, the part of his game is uh that's excelling so well he's running but teams work it out teams work it out england will work it out wales will work it out that if you put the ball in the corner, you can't run from there. You need to be able to put the ball out. And he just needs to strengthen that area up. 
Yeah. Okay, so let's say that Izzy's our fullback. Do we need a backup fullback? Who covers that backup position? Should Izzy go down or to play those uh, Uruguay and I think uh, uh, yeah. the, 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 the lesson games? Is it just yeah. someone that fills in? Is it, a, is it a specialist fullback or do we use Beal back there? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think these guys are so versatile these days. You can pretty much duck anyone there. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, Adam Ashley Cooper, uh, yes. you know, Kurtley Beal. Um, you know, chuck one of the wingers back there as well um, to give them a bit of a run. I think um, I think more than anything else, you 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 pick the best players to fit in that back line, and, and I think they can they can fit a number of a number of positions at the same time. So. You know, I think you limit yourself if you want to try and take the specific second fullback away. Sure. You've got to be able to, to cover a couple of positions, which some of these guys can. Yeah. All right. You're just cutting off a bit there, Matty, but I'll finish off. Sorry, with, mate. Yeah, you're right. I'll just finish off with this one. The other obvious strength to your bow was your goal kicking. Do we have the the quality of goal kicker we need to to get us through to the World Cup? Look, I think we do. Uh, you know, finally, certainly become becoming a sharp shooter. Um, his limitation is what we saw in the final last year. Forty-two meters mm. is is about as long as he can go. And you know, I think back to that 2011 World Cup, and I, uh, was it Trindock tried to you know, knock one from yeah. sort of fifty, and it didn't have the legs. You'd need guys like a uh, uh, Francois Stein, for example, to stand up and hit one from fifty-five, just because you can. You know, you've got a three points on offer, and I know it's the, the cheap way to do it, but if you can kick a goal, you, you get your three, six, nine, twelve yep. points in front, and then you can play. So that's probably the only limitation uh, that the Wallabies have at the moment: the long-range kicking. I know Bill steps up there every now and then, but uh, and he hit that one in Africa a couple yep. of years ago. But consistency is the other half of it. And when you're not kicking, you know, all of a sudden they say, "Hey, mate, you got to kick in the 80th minute to win us the game." From yeah. 50, you go, "Oh, hang on, like good it, luck. It, yeah. It's nearly hit and miss, you know." So yeah. you need that consistency. So. Um, you know, Foley's certainly uh, you know become a very good kicker. He's uh, he certainly arrows them over. And you know, as I've always said, um, you turn your five into sevens uh, by conversions, mm. and they're free points, yep. uh, so to speak. Uh, you know, but your three points are so important as well. So you've got to make sure you kick those. So mm. I think Foley's going to be the man to lead in that ten role, and also in that kicking department. Excellent, Matt. Look, Matt, we'll let you go. Really appreciate your time. You've kicked off this series uh, in fantastic fashion. Uh, I've got great memories of 99, and I just hope we've got the same memories for 2015. So thanks fantastic. for joining us. And, uh, fantastic, Rich. We'll look forward to speaking to you again soon. I was only just getting going too, Matt. I could have done another one. <laughs> we'll get you on again, Matt, no doubt. Good you, mate. Thank you. Now, there we go. Thanks again to Matty Burke for coming on the show tonight. Uh, fantastic guest. He was the perfect person to kick off this series of podcasts that we're going to you know, endeavour to do over the next couple of months. It's, uh, I think it's 170 days, five and a half months to the World Cup, so we'll see how long we can drag this out for. Terrific guest he was, and I just want to say a special thanks to Matt. He was really um, it's so accommodating and willing to help to be on the podcast. So just fantastic there. But but how do we follow up Berkey? Uh, really tough call, but the obvious one is Dave Jefferson's cyclopath. How are you, buddy? I'm well, mate. Welcome to the show. Thank you. 
Excellent. Debut, debut appearance for 2015. Is it really? It's been that long. Yeah, I've been blocked out. Those other guys, they, they like a chat. We've missed you. Yeah. Well, you're here now, mate. And look, we've just had this large chat to uh, Berkey about uh, Rugby World Cups and specifically 1999. What's your favourite memory of 1999? Anything that stand out? Well, yeah, it might be controversial, but the one I loved uh, was... Um, the Totai Kefu get square on Trevor Brennan. Yep, fantastic. I, I watched that. I was We're on our honeymoon at the time. We're in Canada. And I was watching that game in God knows where, someplace we were staying. And I was uh, – I'd, I'd missed a bit of the game, but I, I just switched on to the game when he came running through and elbowed Jeremy Paul in the head yep. uh, from a kickoff. And then I was just watching after that. And it was just – when he got – when the, got, the get square happened – uh, I just, I loved it. I know we're not probably supposed to like that sort of thing, but uh, oh, mate, uh, it was I thought, I thought, well, if someone had it coming, he had it coming. Yeah, <laughs> and absolutely. Did, and Ke- Kefu didn't miss. <laughs> oh, mate, it was, it was huge. It was huge, yeah. mate. I, I remember, and this is probably a bit more cliched, but I'll overlook the the Springbok semi final for the Wallabies, but yeah. it was the next night. So I was living in Sydney at the time, sort of footloose, fancy free. Big bunch of us got together and watched the. The Springbok semi-final, big night, fantastic, loved it. Next night, I think it was the All Blacks in France. I think it was a Sunday night, so it was a little bit more constrained. I think most people had gone to bed. I got up to watch this game and during the dutiful um, sort of housemate trying to keep it quiet, but was just going nuts. I was, it was the most amazing experience to see France come back, particularly in that second half and jumping around on the couches trying to, you know enjoy the game with being as quiet as possible for my sleeping housemates but that was uh, that was a special game and I actually watched it about a month ago on YouTube and geez it stayed up what a, it was an amazing performance by France that, that, that oh, game, so. it was incredible the thing I actually watched the first half yep and then I had to work the next day and I went oh look look I, I can't sit up and watch the whole thing and, and France are going to get creamed here so I went to bed yes yes <laughs> got up in the morning and it was like what did I miss oh mate <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. All right, look, well, let's refocus, refocus, and, and, and look back at Super Rugby. We've still got a few, uh, a fair chunk of Super Rugby season to get by, but let's focus on this weekend gone and uh, look back at the results here. We'll just sort of skip through these uh, before, because we do have these five burning questions, which has been copyrighted by, by Barbarian, but uh, we're going to do them tonight in his absence. Um, so first match of the round was the Hurricanes getting over the Melbourne Rebels, 36 to 12. Uh, I think the Rebels were actually up half-time, 12 to 10, just the four penalty goals by the the Rebels there. What do you think of this one, Dave? Oh, I mean, what was... I was impressed incredibly by the Hurricanes, the way they just, mm. they just went up a gear um, in the second half. And... But also equally unimpressed by the the rebels just kind of looked lost when yeah. when when the hurricanes stepped up when they suddenly just changed changed the pace of the game a bit the the, the rebels looked a bit lost and it and it, it I think it kind of exposed that the 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 attack is just a bit one dimensional you know just there's not enough variety with what they're doing you know they had a fair bit of possession but they just they were going very laterally just side to side side to side. Shoveling it out a couple of players, similar sort of hit-ups. There was just no variety and nothing that was really going to crack uh, the Hurricanes' defence. So it was, yeah, one of those games of two halves, I guess. But, I mean, it, it, the Hurricanes looked pretty impressive when they decided to, to go up 
and, and appropriately so, they're sitting undefeated on top of the ladder mm. at the moment. So mm. um, uh, the you know the rebels might have thought they're a chance, but you're right, they're completely outclassed. Um, and, and interesting copy, uh, comments you make there about the rebels and, and looking a bit directionless and, and didn't have much because let's move on to the Reds, hey? Reds v Lions. We hosted them up here and uh, at Suncorp Stadium on Friday night. Um, and managed to find another way to lose, 17-18, just the one point in it. Quaid obviously lined up for that that late field goal, uh, which you missed or, or got charged down. And the remarkable story was how he stayed on the field for 15, 20 minutes afterwards with getting a passing and, and just having shot after shot at field goal again, just to, I guess, you know, it it shows a, a, you know, a, a great level of... Um, of focus and, and, and motivation for them to, to want to get that over at least and right the wrong despite not being in game conditions. But yeah, look, a, a lot of talk that there's been an improved performance by the Reds and I must admit I I love a, a, a penalty try uh, from a scrum and we've seen a few of those for the Reds. It's been one of our few highlights over the last couple of years and I, and I dare say that Karevi try, at least the move preceding it, was the, the best bit of rugby I've seen from the Reds for a few years. So some slight glimmers of hope. I love Quaid. You know, he was first game back for a while and, and he looked pretty damn classy. But uh, to be fair, I don't think there's much more hope we could take out of this game. Dave, as a... Oh, look, I, I agree with what you're saying with Quaid. I was, I, was, I was sort of quietly impressed with him. I mean, you know, he's obviously still a bit short of a run, but I thought um, he did make a big difference mm. just in his urgency. The first half, well, in probably... Most of the first half, and then a bit in the second half, he was just too deep, and that wasn't a criticism directly for him, but he just uh, the forwards just weren't getting them forward. They weren't getting them on yeah. the front foot, and you know he was just sort of hanging back in the pocket. And you know, it's all been discussed before, but he can't suddenly fire up the attack standing ten metres behind the breakdown um, with with ball that's not going forward. And and then when they started to get a bit of front foot ball. And they had a nice period of play, I thought, where they were doing that for probably a good 15, 20 minutes. All of a sudden, he's coming flatter to the line. All of a sudden, the attack looked better. He was throwing some, you know, he threw some of his trademark no-look passes, a couple of nice little flat balls and things. So there was certainly a lot of um, signs that he's he's looking in pretty good nick. So I was was pleased to see that. I thought, um, interesting when you talk about the scrums, they, you know, the, the difference... Now, maybe it was the reserve Lions pack as much as it was the reserves yeah. Reds, but, you know, the, they did, um, they certainly put up a decent uh, effort in the scrum, and uh, Holmes looked pretty good did, um, yeah. in his time. I, I wonder whether he's going to get to start sooner rather than later. Probably be, probably be a good thing. Yeah, I reckon he'll be straight in there this week, I would have thought. Um, but look, and then the other one to briefly mention, I thought, I thought Hallwell actually looked a bit more dynamic in this game than he has in some of his other games. So that was also a promising sign. Yeah, I'm with you. I thought he had, uh, yes, one of his better games, busy. I still think he works well in the line-out. And, and he got oh, a bit yeah. of flack still, but um, he's not the 2011 form, but he's still very Jeez. much deserving of his spot. Jeez, they're missing sevens, though. Yeah, they are, yeah. And, and there's still no word as when he'll be back, I think, no. possibly for the South African tour, which is uh, a week away. So mm. let's uh, cross our fingers and hope. Um, run through these other results quickly. The Chiefs uh, all over the Cheetahs, 37 to 27. Highlanders over the Stormers, uh, 39 to 21. Uh, moving on to the Waratahs, and they had a, a win over the Blues. Uh, yeah. You know, not 
comprehensive. It was tied at half time, wasn't it? And yep. they, you know, ran away. With, I guess the late try to to Beetham sort of secured it. What was your feeling? Oh, I thought. I think first of all, with starting with the Blues, I thought the Blues have been a rabble all year. Um, they were less of a rabble in this game, and I'm not just saying that as a Tars fan. I think they actually one thing they did seem to get much better this game was the organisation of their defence. And their defence, they were hitting pretty hard in defence. Um, so they were causing a bit of mayhem there. Um, but, look, it was, it was one of those classic Waratahs from the last 18 months, two years, games where they create opportunities and then and then butcher them with bad execution and mm. poor skills at times. And they made plenty of... They had plenty of chances. Um, they... they Probably bombed two or three tries yep. within five, five to ten metres of the line. Um, the two tries they did score were good tries. I thought they were really nicely constructed tries, and that was so that was a positive. Um, I think they were they were doing a better job of um, securing their own ball at the breakdown than they have in some of the other games. So there were some positives. I thought the scrum was um, the scrum was going pretty. I mean, yeah. that's some of those epic scrums where they just basically parked on each other and the ball's yep. sitting in the middle and nobody can win it which is which is good for the purists yep. um uh, look it was a it was a it was an above average pass i think for the waratahs they 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 did some things well they did some other things pretty badly um but i think the blues were a bit better i think if the blues improve continue to improve they're gonna you know and they should give some teams some headaches yeah, that's a worry because uh, <laughs> we're sitting down with the bottom of the ladder now. We we want them just to continue to slide, but uh, now you're right. They, there's there's enough potential there, and, and uh, there's obviously uh, uh, Sir John Kerwin who's be hoping that they do turn that around. The uh, the next game there we're looking at is the Sharks Force, uh, where the Sharks get up there fifteen to nine. Uh, Force just got the three penalties. They're actually up six nil at half time. So much like the Rebels, they let that game slip. Uh, these are tough games to watch, aren't they, Dave? Uh, they are. I mean, I, I think without having watched that game, so I don't want to say too much about it, but um, what I said about the Rebels, uh, just uh, ditto for the, the force in terms of their attack, um, and the surprise probably got flat for this, but same sort of thing. I mean, the, the attack is just too one-dimensional. Um, they often, they seem to have the ability to get the ball and hold on to the ball at times, yeah. for multiple phases, but they just don't do enough with it when they have it. Uh, it's just... It's not quick enough, you know. They're not getting the ball out quickly enough. They're not getting that front foot, and they're not mixing up the variety enough. Um, and I think it's just too easy for other teams to set their defence out and just knock them down. Yeah, I think C.S. Epperson's not having the season he did last year. Not that he's outstanding last year, but he was very important to the force last year and did do. You know, he was a great kicker. And he, but he yeah. directed his team around the field last yeah. year. But yeah. he's he's insipid this week. He's you know in and out of the team, and yeah. and uh, I haven't been overly impressed with him this year. No. Um, so the force uh, will have uh, another challenge ahead of them this week, obviously. And that last game of the round was uh, I'll call it an upset because I tipped against him. Was the Bulls uh, getting over the Crusaders thirty one nineteen over there? Well, the Bulls will. Do that every now and then, won't yep, they? they will. Even when they look like complete rubbish, they'll pull one out of the hat like that. I, 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 I haven't, I've, I've stepped aside from tipping comps this year. Ah, interesting. Because nice. they, oh, they, he's just doing the heading. Yeah. Um, and um, 
but if I had been tipping, I would have been tipping the Crusaders yeah. by a reasonable margin. So yeah. I would have been done as well. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, that's that's it for the that uh, round of Super Rugby, and we're going to get into these. Uh, these new Hugh Cavill came up with these. We're calling them five burning questions. He reckons they're original, but we're hearing they might have been uh, from uh, somewhere uh, elsewhere, other sporting shows and so on. But we're going to keep moving ahead. We've got five questions, um, Dave. I'm going to fire at you. Yep. And uh, you've got, uh, let's give you, you know, 60 seconds to answer and I'll I'll retort if I feel the need. So okay. first question is, who's in better shape at the moment, the Brumbies or the Waratahs? Uh, Brumbies. They've got more bonus points. They've uh, got one more buy. And I think their overall game plan is a little bit... Safer. Interesting. I was going to counter that, but I completely agree with you. I, yeah, I was surprised at uh, recent. I think they had a loss in the last game, the, the Waratah game, obviously. But I, I maintain they look more the 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 championship winning team, whether it's the yep. the full champion. But I, I agree. I think they've got that game with them at the moment, which is a a good credit to Steve Larkham and their coaching team. But yep. I, I, I reckon you're right. They're on the right track there. Yep. Um, all right, next question. So we've just seen the uh, a preliminary Wallaby squad named this week, 51 faces, I think it is. Yep. They've had a, uh, uh, a session up here in Brisbane for four days. I really, you've got to give it to the Wallaby coach, uh, who was so thoughtful of putting this on the week that the Tars have the buy and everyone else have got a game. So very considerate of whoever the Wallaby coach is. But uh, what does this <laughs> squad mean? Any, any, should we get caught up on who's in it and who's not in it? What do you think about it? Uh, no, we should not get caught up on who's in it. But uh, I guess if you're not in it, you might get a bit caught up on it. Mm-hmm. Just about, I mean, the vast majority of Australian first 15 Super Rugby players are in it. So I'm not sure what we can draw from that. Yeah, it's interesting. 51 <laughs> names. And I, I suggest this team was picked uh, a while ago, the likes of Tom English and the like in it. But yes, right. yes. early days, very early. And, and you've got no doubt that Chica is chatting to a bunch of uh, the guys that aren't in this team, the Rory Arnolds and the like, but uh, you're right. I don't think it means too much at the moment. All right, next question. We're going to move to sevens rugby. Um, women's sevens coach Tim Walsh came out this week and, and basically called his women's sevens team the premier rugby team in Oz at the moment. I, I guess we should quote him. They are currently the most successful Australian rugby team in the country. Is he having a go or is that a legitimate statement? I don't think it's very hard to argue with that. They've, yeah, got, I, they've, they've got the runs on the board, so... Yeah, I, I wrote this article for International Women's Day a couple of weeks ago, and I, I made the statement there, and I said the same. I think they're the premier team, Australian rugby team at the moment, and should be getting more recognition from absolutely. the ARU. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, they're doing fantastic things, so they, they deserve to be respected and, and, and talked up more for that. And have anyone seen them interviewed and so on? They're a great bunch of uh, they are. people as well. So uh, yeah. lots of character and, and, and so on. So let's uh, hope they get the uh, the acknowledgement they deserve. All right. So we've talked about the Rugby World Cup quickly. We have just seen the culmination of the Cricket World Cup. And just like in 1999, the Australian teams have won. Is this any omen for us this year for our World Cup later in the year, Dave? I would like to think so, but I don't believe in omens. <laughs> yes, it also it also involves totally ignoring the fact that we won in 2003 and 2007 exactly. as well. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm leaving that one out there. Bugger, bugger. <laughs> right. But a follow-up question for you from the Cricket World Cup. If yep. you could pick one member of that Cricket World Cup winning team yep. and pick him for the Wallabies, who would it be and what position? Uh, Steve Smith, fly half. Oh, straight in for the playmaking he's, role, just special? Magic. He's magic. He could probably do... You give him a rugby ball, he'd probably... He'd probably kick it with his ass or something like that, and still, you know, kick it fifty meters. He's a freak. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go Mitchell Stark. I don't know how tall. I think we need uh, <laughs> someone else in the in, in the back row. Let's put him because uh, he just carved them up in this tournament, and that's what we need in our forward back. We need some meter gators, and and we could always rely on Mitchell Stark to uh, make that uh, key play when we needed it. Can I chuck in an honourable mention? Yep. Dishonourable mention, depending on what side of the ditch you are. Yep. Brad Haddon at nine, just because he wouldn't shut up and he'd just drive everyone insane. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, want Glenn, I want a Glenn Maxwell. I want someone who's been on the cusp for a while that a lot of people have not necessarily rated. See his skill, but have doubted him just to come in and turn up and turn this World Cup around. I don't know who that player is, but uh, I want to find that person for the Wallabies this year. Mm. All right, good stuff. Uh, Dave, thanks for that. Nice and precise. You were very good there. Unfortunately, we didn't have much counter. I think we agreed with pretty much everything. Um, and I dare say Cavill would have been in the same boat um, as well. Maybe may, might have stuck up for the Waratahs a bit, bit stronger there at the start. Uh, he probably would. I'm sure he would have. Uh, he would have rebutted some of my points about the Waratahs. Yeah. All right, but uh, then let's bring it back to this weekend ahead. Uh, and I know. Dave, you probably don't really give us stuff about this weekend. Waratahs have the bye, as we have said. But let's have a look at this oh, week's no. games. Yep. I, I doubt you, Dave, but I'm sure you're a rugby fan, true at heart. Um, all right, first Friday night, Hurricanes are taking on the Stormers at Westpac Stadium. Any particular thoughts on this? Well, I mean, you'd be mad to tip against the Hurricanes at the moment. Absolutely. But the Stormers are just one of those teams that, Eve, I mean, look at them. They've, they've, they've won quite a few games. They've got no bonus points as usual. They kind of... It's all a bit ugly and a bit, you know, a bit dour. But, um, you know, they travel well. They often travel well. Or yep. they, so you'd be brave to say they couldn't beat the Hurricanes, but, jeez, yeah, the Hurricanes look good. Hurricanes strong favourites, I agree. Okay, well, this is an interesting one. Other Friday night game, Rebels versus Reds, stand at Melbourne. I can't wait for this. <laughs> I'm serious. I honestly, can't, I honestly can't wait for this. I actually really like... I enjoy watching games I have not invested in. It's much better. I get too antsy watching the Waratahs. Yeah, I could imagine. Okay. So I actually, I'm looking forward to this because what I want to see, and the Rebels, I'll get the Rebels fans will hate me. Daz will probably disown me, but um, I'm actually really hoping the Reds light it up. Just click. Because yeah. I just think one of these teams has to really light it up and do something that nobody's expecting to see. And I honestly think. If one of the teams is going to do it, it's more likely to be the Reds. I'm not sure the Rebels have got that that extra several gears to jump up to. Whereas yeah. I think there's 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 some upside with the Reds. So I'm, yeah. I'm I'm hoping it's I'm hoping it's a good game. I think it yeah. could be a good game. Yeah, I hope so too, mate. I think another game with Quade, uh, another game for under Quade's belt. Uh, you know, the talk is that uh, Liam Gill's obviously back from suspension. Hunt's available for this game. I think he'll be in the squad somewhere. So yep. plenty of watch, and I agree. I think the, the Reds are the ones there. Uh, Saturday, we've got the Chiefs versus Blues at Waikato Stadium. Well, these two usually play some cracking games. Yeah. So, so the, I reckon that this will probably be game of the round to yep. watch because they just... I mean, it's a hate fest. It's, mm. So it's, it's what's better, a Kiwi hate fest. You got, we don't care. You can look on as an observer, and I don't care which team beats the crap out of the other team. So I think that'll be a cracking game. Yeah. There's no doubt Chiefs will start favourites, but you're oh. like, what you say, these local derbies, particularly in New Zealand, yeah. anything could happen. Exactly. And look, if the, if the Chiefs get everything to click, they could absolutely massacre them, but I don't think they will. Mm. Okay. Uh, Saturday again, we've got Brumbies versus Cheetahs, and... and uh, 
just for all your Canberra fans, half-price tickets to this Brumbies game. Easter weekend's always a bit of a tough sell down there. I know that tough sell anywhere. Uh, everyone's going away, but uh, the Brumbies uh, rugby organisation are giving away uh, selling half-price tickets. So get out there, Canberra fans. Um, against the Cheetahs, what do you reckon? The Brumbies should be fairly strong for this one. Brumbies by plenty. Yep. Let's hope so. Dave Pope back in the starting team, apparently. Um, and then the Sharks taking on the Crusaders uh, over there in Durban. Well, the Crusaders, uh, Carter's come home. Yep. Whether that affects them a lot, I mean, no disrespect to him, but I'm not sure it's as big a yep. loss for them as it would have been a few years ago. Yep. I think they've covered him well enough so that they can get by without him. Um, and they'll, you know, the Crusaders, they always seem to bounce back when they get done. So um, I think the Crusaders will get that one. Yeah, I, I would think they'd bounce back. I don't, they don't lose two in a row too often. And, um, mm. I say that off the top of my head. I'm sure someone will point out that they have quite recently. But uh, <laughs> last game of the round is the Lions taking on the Bulls. Another one to get up for oh. at Joburg there. Oh. That's, 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 the, that's the meat fest, isn't it? That's yeah. the, the high-velt meat fest. Yeah. Um, uh, should recognise is, it, the, is it appropriate to say you don't care? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I but I do care. want to recognise the Lions because it helps justify our loss to them last week who've just returned home from a, a pretty strong uh, tour, winning three on the tour, which is uh, pretty damn good for a South African team, albeit they beat the, the Blues, the Rebels and the Reds. But um, still, nonetheless, they'll take nonetheless, that any time. Three wins on tour, and I mean, just be, be just their luck. They, uh, they travel all the way home and then get beaten. <laughs> Yes, exactly right. Which, which is probably what's going to happen. At, at a home game, yeah. I think you're right. <laughs> and that wraps us up with the Force and the Highlanders and the Tars all having the bye this week. Uh, just want to touch on some quick news, a couple of significant ones. Uh, the Aussie under-20 team or squad has been named. There'll be the Junior World Championship later this year uh, in Italy. Uh, before that, they're playing, uh, gosh, the few Pacific Island teams, I think Japan, New Zealand, and maybe Samoa on the Gold Coast starting next month, so early May. Um, some interesting names there, as you'd expect, some Super Rugby players. Uh, Andrew Kellaway, although he hasn't played Super Rugby yet, but obviously a high-profile name for the Tars. Yep. Jonah Placid from the Rebels. Yep. Cam- Campbell Magnay, Duncan Payaua, and uh, Michael Garn, who made his debut last week for the Reds, yep. are all on that squad. It's, uh, it's Lee Grant's put a great blog post on the, on the site about it. It's uh, a very good, strong-looking team um, from our perspective, uh, but obviously... They all are these days, South yeah. Africa, England, New Zealand. It'll be a tough battle, no doubt. They're great matches to watch, and I tell you what, if you're going to go and watch an under-20s tournament, how good would Italy be? Yeah, sensational. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Save so... your money on the World Cup. Go and watch yeah, this. Exactly. <laughs> Cheaper tickets, too, for Christ's sake. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, you talk about events you want to go to. Hong Kong Sevens just finished. Oh. Uh, the Aussies uh, came in fifth, winning the plate uh, over the USA and significantly sort of increase their gap over England, yes, uh, for, yes. which is really important from a qualifying for the Olympic Games perspective, yep. um, which was great. And, and, and we should acknowledge Fiji beating New Zealand. Did you get to see it? And Portugal. Time? Portugal oh, drew with New Zealand. Drew with New Zealand. How amazing was that? Oh, my God. It's like... Yeah, exactly. There, if, it was, I, if it was cricket and it had Pakistan playing, someone would be yes, investigating. Exactly right. It's amazing. The, the IRB or World Rugby, uh, you know, really cover this well. And if you chuck on the social media and YouTube sites, they've got the highlights of these games and, and even the, uh, you know, the Challenger series or whatever it's called. Some, some of the skills, particularly from the Russian team, were some fantastic tries scored. So it's well worth it. It's a great tournament, a great series, and um, we'll see it all culminate 
with a, an Olympic Games next year in Rio. Yep, and he's hoping we can stay a few steps ahead of the Poms. Yeah, really important for us is the. Uh, I think we're off to Tokyo next. Um, yep. In the next leg of the series. Yep. Um, pretty much covers it for news, Dave. Anything from yourself? No, that's about nothing. Um, nothing that jumps to. Jumps yeah. Yeah, look, a number of players' comings and goings. It looks like uh, Sam Wikes has gone. Oh, but yeah. Benny yeah. McCalman, uh, by all reports, is now, now staying. I think he's going to go to Japan, yep. but come back and play for the force. Yep. The Brumbies still seem to be signing uh, their entire squad, which is great news for yep. them. Um, so, yeah, look, we'll have to keep a watching eye on that. There was a concern about, uh, you know, Cliffy Parler's gone to Japan and Higgins is going to Japan. And, and it's interesting, Polver, I think, has come out today and said he would prefer the players go to Japan than go overseas to, to France or UK, um, obviously with the chance of them coming back and playing Super Rugby the following season. So we'll see how that develops. Well, I guess their the hand's going to be forced at some stage, I suppose, with the number of players going offshore. Mm. Um, they're going to probably have to rethink what they're doing to some degree, not necessarily saying they should, but I suspect they might have to. Well, I think the answer they want is this Japan one. Let them have yeah. their sabbaticals, yeah. if you want to call it that, in Japan. Yeah and come back and still play Super Rugby and, and thus be eligible for the Wallabies because they don't want to cheapen the, the product that is Super Rugby with their broadcasters. No. But, um, yeah, we'll see how they go. All right, so, look, I'm not going to be around next week because uh, Easter time, I'm going away. But yep. the World Champion Series, you know, I talked about this before. It's got to be back the following week. Uh, we're going to be looking at the wing position. Uh, as you'd expect, trying to secure one of those wingers has been pretty challenging. They've proved pretty elusive so far, which is good. Uh, the same hectic social calendars out in the wing. Um, yeah, they are. Uh, um, so pretty, pretty, pretty appropriate, hard to tie down. But look, I've got one, and I must say, pretty damn excited about who we've got. So, if it's the uh, one you were talking about, then I agree. Excellent. So uh, <laughs> keep an eye on Twitter or Facebook or the blog or wherever you do to, to watch this uh to download the podcast and uh, in a couple of weeks we'll be on chatting again Rugby World Cups um, until then enjoy your rugby this weekend Premier Rugby Club Rugby around the country obviously Super Rugby uh, as well uh, Dave have a great Easter mate you uh, getting away or just rugby focus I'm on call so I'm going to ah, be parked right. be parked at home with the television on well I'm heading to the beach and I can't wait so enjoy. hope all our listeners have a great Easter enjoy your rugby this weekend and we'll speak to you soon Cheers. Yeah, right there, right there.